Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Bob is a 76-year-old male with a 15-year history of type 2 diabetes who's coming in today for his regular three-month follow-up. His regimen of three doses of mealtime insulin and basal insulin have worked well. His most recent A1C is 8.9. Bob tells you that his morning and bedtime blood sugars are usually between 120 and 150, but he hasn't been checking at his mealtime dosages. He's frustrated because his blood sugar readings seem to be okay, but his A1C is high. How can we help Bob better manage his glycemic control? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining us here on Frankly Speaking for the first time is Jillian Joseph, PA and Assistant Professor at the School of PA Studies at the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy Health Sciences University in Worcester and Clinical Instructor at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Welcome to the show, Jillian. Thanks, Frank. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so Bob's pretty common in our world, and, and we need to try to help him uh, get, get, get things in better shape. Um, would a continuous glucose monitoring tool be helpful for Bob? That's a really good question. So uh, CGM, I think, or continuous glucose monitoring can help Bob particularly to figure out his time and range for his blood sugar and sort of his patterns of glycemic variability. So using that kind of data can help to optimize and individualize his treatment a little bit more and also help him recognize the correlation between his lifestyle and dietary choices and his glucose measurements. By, because he's not consistently checking his mealtime sugars, he's missing those times where he's hyperglycemic and maybe hypoglycemic too, but he just doesn't realize it. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, he's, he's giving himself four shots a day and, and he's maybe missing out on what's really happening. You mentioned real-time and intermittent scanning CGM. Can you tell us how they differ? Sure. So real-time CGM is um, used to give interstitial glucose readings in real time, and that happens through a standalone device, but it can also be integrated into an insulin pump or a mobile phone. Intermittent scanning CGM uses the reading device to display interstitial readings, but on demand. So that means Bob would have to check and see what his sugar is, either through some tool or through his phone. Is that right? Correct. And for Bob, where we're really trying to help him make the connection between his lifestyle and his blood glucose readings, he would benefit from using real time so he can get a better sense of his patterns throughout the day. That's great. So um, CGMs have been used traditionally for type 1. What's the evidence that supports this shift in using it for type 2 diabetes? Yeah, in the last 10 to 15 years, there's been uh, more evidence that using CGM in type 2 diabetics can help to lower the A1C compared to the typical self-monitoring of blood glucose. So there are two um, meta-analyses that we could talk about. There's one from 2019, and that looked at seven randomized controlled trials of just about 700 patients where they compared continuous glucose monitoring to the self-management of blood sugars. So 
the mean patient age in this meta-analysis was uh, 58 years old and they all had diabetes for a duration of about 14 years. During um, these RCTs, some of the patients used real-time continuous glucose monitoring and some used uh, intermittent scanning continuous glucose monitoring. So the authors of this meta-analysis looked at primarily hemoglobin A1C measurements, but also other secondary outcomes like body weight, blood pressure, time spent with hypo or hyperglycemia, and patient satisfaction with using the CGM and how it affected their quality of life. So the, the end result of the meta-analysis here is that the A1C levels and time spent in hypoglycemia were significantly lower in the group using CGM. They weren't able to tell if real-time or intermittent scanning CGM was better for lowering A1C values when they were comparing the two methods. There are some limitations for this meta-analysis um, in that there were only a few RCTs and there was some heterogeneity among the trial outcomes. There was another systematic review with meta-analysis from 2020 that showed use of CGM helped to improve glycemic control by increasing time and range, which we talked about for it also, uh, using CGM, also helped to decrease time above and below range and decrease glucose variability. And that study, uh, or that meta-analysis, excuse me, was for patients with both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So the evidence shows that by helping Bob to reduce his A1C by increasing his time and range, it might help him to make connections between his dietary choices and his blood glucose measurements and may help reduce his risk for further complications down the road. Well, it sounds like um, there's probably going to be a greater and greater role for type 2 diabetics in CGM. Um, what have the large organizations had to say, American uh, Diabetes Association or the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists? In 2019, ADA actually started recommending considering CGM for patients with type 2 diabetes not meeting their goals. And then in 2020, when AACE published their update to their treatment guidelines, they highly recommended using CGM when possible for patients who are using multiple doses of insulin per day. All right. Now, my biggest concern whenever we go down the path of CGM are the challenges associated with it. Can you discuss those a bit and what Bob's going to have to face? Of course. Bob's a little bit on the older side, right? He's 76. So for those patients, it's always a little bit tricky to get them to try something new. So the patient certainly has to be willing to do that and have a little bit of interest in using technology. So it might be a little bit tricky to get used to using the device for patients who might not be quite so tech savvy. Um, there are options for devices, quite a few options. And there's personal devices for patients, but also professional devices that you can use in your office-based setting. So there's there's some sometimes some difficulty in choosing what's the best option for patients. And then always we have to talk about costs, right? So for patients like Bob, who usually have Medicare as their primary coverage, there have to be specific criteria. So the patient has to have three or more daily injections of insulin, and the treatment regimen has to require frequent adjustments by the patient based on their glucose measurements. Uh, once it's approved, 
the supplies have to come from a Medicare enrolled pharmacy. In Massachusetts, MassHealth, our state insurance, also uh, covers the equipment and supplies, but it needs a prior authorization. And lastly, one of the challenges is that Bob has to change the sensor every 7 to 14 days, and then depending on the device, might have to calibrate it as well. So that kind of ties back into being um, a little bit good with technology. It's become the cool thing to have. I've been at the beach a few times this summer, and I can't tell you how many people I've seen go by with their little pads sticking out of their arm. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can tell Bob he'll look really young if he has it as well. <laughs> I think I think he'll like that. Jillian, I, I think you're talking about the future of what we do. Maybe as we move away from three or four injections a day of insulin, it'll become less apparent. But for type 2 diabetics, CGM is going to become more and more of a commonplace occurrence. Thanks so much for bringing these papers to our attention. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. For poorly controlled type 2 diabetics on three or more injections of insulin per day, consider starting continuous glucose monitoring as part of their treatment protocol. Join us next time when we talk about subclinical hypothyroidism, how to make the diagnosis, and how to manage it long term. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.